Welcome to the Heroes of Reality Podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Everyone to learn how to build uh, applications and games and virtual reality applications, all that jazz. Well, the guest on today is Jason Wyman. Welcome, Young Adventurers. He is an online educator and YouTuber, the number one place for Unity 3D tutorials, news, and tips. His channel is dedicated to helping game developers be better at game development. He likes to teach a bit of everything from getting started to beginning style stuff to advanced techniques and patterns. So without any further delay, I'd like to welcome my friend, Jason Weinman. Hey, Dylan. Thanks what for having is- me on, man. Yeah, man, I'm excited to have you on here, dude. I'm excited to to get super deep into this stuff and, and chat about all things development and design and Christmas and the metaverse and just basically whatever pops out of our brain. So it's yeah, me I'm, too. I, I got a feeling there's going to be quite a bit. I got a lot to talk to you about. It's been a little while and I think we've probably got quite a bit to catch up on. Yeah, man. Yeah. you're. Uh, when was the last time I think I had you on the show like uh God, like, was it like a year ago? I don't know. I'm not it's good with time. About that, yeah. Pro- probably like 50 episodes or so. <laughs> I don't know exactly what number you're on, but it's way up there. Yeah, 123. So, yeah, little... maybe even more than that. <laughs> <laughs> I got to work on my beard game, though, man. You got a solid thing going on over there, man. It's like King Leonidas thing going on. I always tell everybody it's just laziness. <laughs> I just hate shaving. Uh, yeah. As long as you just never shave and drink a, a ridiculous amount of milk, um, like I, I'm doing right now, your, your hair will grow fine. <laughs> get, get a giant beard. The milk conspiracy. And then everyone will think that you're smarter. It, it definitely uh, helps. With that. There is a wise man beard thing. I don't know how they came up with that. How you, they, people came up with like, mm, yes, I have facial hair, so I'm smarter. Mm. I don't know. Maybe it's from being told by people who hadn't grown facial hair how to do everything. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Come back when you've got a beard. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that helps your like online uh, YouTuber sageness in terms of teaching development? You're like, well, I don't know if I was going to listen to him, but now that he's got an epic beard, I really do. I really do think I should pay attention to how he builds applications. I, Mm. I hope so. (laughs) <laughs> well, well, let's, it gives me an extra justification for having it at the very least oh man well let's, let's let's open this let's talk just a little bit so people know um a little bit because you have a youtube channel um that you've been doing for a while since i've known you since the good old days of vr um you've had it you've up and running a youtube channel do you want to just say just a little bit about your channel so people kind of get a uh, an understanding of kind of who you are what you do and kind of um what led you into that? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd love to. So my YouTube channel is something that I started, it's been four, five years. I think, it's, I think it was four years ago. And I, I kind of started it um, on a whim. Before that, I'd been blogging for like six months and having a little bit of success with it, just writing articles about the things that I was finding while I was working on Unity stuff. Actually, my first blog post entry was about something completely non-game dev related. It was just a problem I was solving at work with AWS and deployment stuff. I wrote that out as a blog post, like exactly how to solve the problem, kind of as a reference for myself and for other people that were doing it. And then I thought, you know, why don't I write some game dev related things? Started writing a couple game dev related blog posts. And I saw that that was a lot of fun and people were kind of starting to come to the page and like visit it and check it out and interact and you know, actually read my tutorials and I was getting like a hundred people a day showing up to the site and I was you know, blowing my mind. I'm like, look at this, a hundred people. I'm like running around the office all, all excited like a lunatic. Uh, but what I noticed was that there were other people I was um, listening to and talking to that were doing similar types of things, but they were mm-hmm. getting into YouTube. And it, with YouTube, they kind of didn't have to worry so much about SEO, like the search engine optimization and all of these other really boring things that I was having to do to get traffic to the blog. Like with Google, trying to get traffic to your new blog, it's just a lot of work. There's a lot of time-consuming stuff, ways that you have to edit the posts and and do things. And I thought, you know what? I really, I'm terrified of talking on video. The idea sounds extremely frightening. I don't want to really do it. But it seems like such a good way to drive traffic to my blog. 
why not? I'll do it and I'll just post the links to my blog, right? And I did that for a while. For I think the first six months or so, I just kept posting really, really bad videos, but with links to the blog. And it grew video views to the blog. The blog kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But then eventually, all of a sudden, I started doing slightly better videos. And the views on the videos, I outpaced the blog completely. And I realized that video was kind of the way to go. And I didn't do it just because it was better for views and like exposure, but I found that as I was doing it, it's a whole lot easier to teach things through a visual like video medium than it is through stills and blog posts and reading and just writing all of the information down, especially when it comes to games, because you've got to show the things in action. And if you've ever read like a game development book, and I've read plenty of them, all the time you'll find these screenshots of a game. Like It's like this little tiny screenshot of a game that's supposed to represent the action of what's happening and the interactions and the way that the game's playing. So going to a video made that a whole lot easier. They're able to get a lot more content out, inform a lot more people, and uh, just, yeah. I, I, I found it to be a blast, and I've been recommending it to everybody ever since. So pretty much everybody that I talk to and everybody watching now I recommend you go make a YouTube channel. Start. It'll get better. You'll have a lot of fun, and uh, you should do it. That's awesome, man. Yeah, and you were one of the guys that you're – I remember you talking like, oh, yeah, I got to work on my blog. Oh, yeah, I got to work on my YouTube. I, I didn't really, like, understand it, and then you just kept grinding in the background. You kept doing it and producing, you know, uh, taking a couple of your courses and learning how to, like, do development and stuff like that, which is great um, and super needed. And you're right. Like, trying to learn from a book sucks, trying to like read things out. And I've had, the, I've had the big, thick, the unity books on you getting into it. And you got to, you know, read through all the different, you know, programming patterns and things to learn about and all that stuff. It just, it's way, it's way more difficult than, than a video format where you can actually see that get done. You can look at it and you can look at, because there's something so gratifying about building in unity. And the first time you, you do some sort of interaction mechanic to make like a particle effect explosion, there's like a, a, a joy when you're like boom, you're like yes, I I I remember those moments in in building and development that were were so fun. Um, and there's also a thing about like needing to build where you're around other people and needing to show things off and having that kind of pattern of stuff like that. Because I know when we're when we're doing meetup events, like the first meetup I did, I made a Bomberman VR where I did Bomberman. I don't remember that, but it was, I, I did a, a 3D version of Bomberman where you'd run around, you'd lay down bombs, you'd blow them up and you'd, and you'd run around. And, and of course, like I was just getting into Unity, so I didn't know how anything worked or whatever, but there's like that. And I was trying to read books to try to figure it out. And I was trying to like understand why wasn't this working? I, I didn't understand what was going on. And then, you know, late at the night before the, the meetup, I finally got it to work and it was just so awesome to have people go through and play my Bomberman VR experience in the, the joy from that is, is it's super magical. Um, like what for you, like, how do you structure like with your education and get, do, do you just have people watch? Are your courses done on your channel? Uh, do you have like community around that? What does that, what does that look like to, to bring people in and educate them? Uh, for the majority of the stuff that I do is just publicly available things on YouTube. I'll put up videos that are tutorials either for beginners, kind of teaching people how to do some of the basics, like how to make a Flappy Bird game or an Angry Bird game. That's one of the first and like easiest tutorials. It's the kind of thing that you can can you can really teach to elementary school kids like how to build this game and understand and go through the logic. There's way less to it than people I think think out from outside mm. if you're not already in game development you haven't written a game or haven't really written code it seems like this crazy overwhelming big thing but when you actually get down to it the amount of work involved is stuff that you can run a, a kid through in an hour like it with me leading a kid through i can have him do it in a half an hour somebody you know doing it from scratch can easily understand and go through and learn the process in in a day or just a couple of hours even like the longest videos that I have that teach you how to make a full game only it only takes about three hours going step by step if we just don't skip anything and don't waste time and I try to just keep them succinct and to the point so that we don't waste too much time now on the course stuff um 
and go much slower and talk through things a lot more and probably waste a lot more time. Those are paid and they're all just up at uh, game.courses. There's a big variety of stuff. Go over like a lot of the more advanced topics primarily and then some of the beginner stuff um, as well. There's big bundles up there and stuff, but most of the things that I've got are just available totally free. And there's a lot of free just great YouTube content out there for game development. If you want to do it in Unity, which I highly recommend, there's my channel and tons of others. And there's also a lot for Unreal if you happen to want to be an Unreal developer. And I, I think that's something worth uh, considering as well, even though I, I prefer and love Unity personally. Yeah, yeah there's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like a Nintendo versus Sega thing that goes on where like you, you fall in love with one console or one engine and you just for the most part, stick with it for a while. Um, there's there's benefits, right? And um, C plus yeah. For me, I had fallen in love with Unreal before, and then um, I had to use Unity for something else, and then I fell in love with that because I really like C sharp. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a lot of it's just the language. It's just that I, I really like the programming language that you get to use with Unity. Yeah. It's a lot of fun, and it kind of translates really well into a lot of the enterprise development and non-game stuff that I've done as well. Because a lot of that stuff's done in the same language with the same frameworks. Yeah, yeah, and the asset store is pretty awesome. And there's things that you can leverage. It's, it's, it's. I, I love Unity. We're, we're a Unity dev shop all the way through. And I just, I think I've done Unreal stuff, but um, just, it's just, yeah. I just think I like it better. Um, when you're talking about people that are getting started in the areas of, like, say, development, um, what are some of the common mistakes that you've seen people make? when they're trying to learn, when they're either watching your videos or going through your course or stuff like that, what are typical roadblocks or challenges that they face when they get started where every time you see it, you go, yep, okay, that's what people do. Um, what do you, what have you seen? Oh, okay. So I would say, well, the obvious one to start is just sometimes people shoot way too big and they set like insanely ambitious goals and they refuse to go through the baby steps of learning kind of the fundamentals. And by that, I don't mean like doing really boring stuff but building really simple games and not starting with, you know, I want to build a first person shooter or I don't like this thing in apex. So I'm just going to remake apex and fix that one thing in it or whatever the, the idea is. People tend to get overly excited about some giant idea that motivated them and then not want to do the other things or that they mm -hmm. think that the other things mean that they have to just read. And it's just like doing a bunch of, math and reading and they just kind of just want to skip all that go straight into building a big game buy a bunch of art and then never make any real progress right that's that's one of the the big things that i've seen people do and it happens i mean it's happened to me in the past you know i was like one of the first things i did a long time ago and then can come back and and get back into it um i've done the same thing uh, yeah, I, I remember that first thing I was like, I was like, oh, I'm going to make like the first level from ready player one. And I like shoved all of this art, just a ton of art into the, into unity. I made a whole forest, laid down all of these trees one by one inside this giant, in this one scene. And, uh, and I was like, Hey, this, why isn't this plane? I don't understand. What's the, what's the issue with hundreds of trees and all of this art shoved in this one scene. I don't, I don't get why it's not working. Um, you know, uh, come, come to figure out that there's, you know, uh, scope and there's a lot of the tricks that you can do, like making facades and only having like the path be, you know, there's a bunch of ways to solve it, but I just, I didn't know. I spent all this time just laying down the level pieces and just building a forest and never testing. So, um, I remember that. Um, what, what else have you seen? Yeah, that, that's definitely one of the big myself too also just sitting there level building level building level building not thinking about gameplay or if this is going to be functional or work i mean even beyond when you're first starting but the the other thing and one of the things that i think gets partially caused by this giant scope is that a lot of the time when people get stuck and they have a problem instead of trying to find the problem they just give up or switch to something else or they start just asking people for the solution instead of trying to figure out what the actual problem is and finding out the problem is the most important skill that you're going to learn as a developer as a game developer or any kind of developer being able to figure out why the code won't compile if, if you can't do that you can't develop you've got to learn that skill and it's something that you'll kind of 
build up as you go along. And if you start with a small project that you're not pulling in a ton of art, you're not pulling in a bunch of assets and all kinds of other things, it's a whole lot easier to track it down because the first time it's going to be some weird brace or it's going to be a misspelled thing. It's going to be something small. If you pull in a ton of stuff, you're not going to have a clue what it is because it's going to be something in some other package that's conflicting with another thing that you don't understand because you don't know the basics yet. But once you start going through and actually debugging and fixing the small problems by searching for the error message and then looking for common things that are similar to it and then looking at the documentation for that thing as well to say, oh, maybe I'm misusing this. I'm using a field that is supposed to be only red and I'm trying to write to it thinking that I'm doing it and it's actually this other one that's named something somewhat similar if I if I look at the documentation and just I don't have to read through the whole documentation but when you get the error look at the docs look at the things that you're using and just make sure that the thing that they say there matches with what you're thinking when you look at your code and figure out the problem and track that down that's I think the most important skill that people just kind of try to avoid and they try really heavily to avoid and it's the thing that's going to level you up and make you into a really good developer and make you be able to actually finish and build your project so try i guess to face that problem head on and don't just give up when you when you have an error or problem try to figure out the solution and fix it maybe take a break come back but figure it out yeah those take a breaks are magical um it's it's amazing to me that you think that if only I push harder, if only I think more, if only if I try to grind through it, um, I'm going to come up with a solution. But it's very often like you walk away, you come back and you're like, oh, a comma. Oh, a bracket. Uh, those, those, those little pieces. And, and it's amazing uh, how many times I've been like, this thing would have been done hours ago if only I knew this comma. If only I would have saw this one thing. And then, And it's like, if you don't pay attention to details, um in in writing code and you don't and you just want to skim read like you just don't you refuse to actually read and you're just like i'm just going to skim for the answers and you don't actually take the time to pay attention and be present in the code it could represent hours and hours and yeah I, it slows I, you down but trying to speed up always slows you down when it comes to writing code slow is smooth smooth is fast <laughs> yeah yeah and I, i've seen the same problem with design because I do, I do a lot of things where i teach design and they're like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make the whole metaverse. It's going to be everything. It's going to be an entire thing all at once. Like, okay, okay. How do we niche that down to one problem that you're going to solve for one person, for one thing? Can we make that a thing? Does that, is that, can we get there? No, 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 no. It's got to be this. There's like this insecurity or something that happens where they feel that they need to overachieve because they're, they feel inadequate whether it's design or code or things like that, at least what I've seen people in is, is because, and they're not familiar. Like once you know that you're talking about how, how effective knowing how to read error messages are just that one, if you can read error messages and just solve those one problem and just go through those things and, and start like, you know, flappy birds in my mind, in the background, I was, I was thinking about the flappy birds cause it's been a while. And I'm like, I'm like, is he putting that in an array? Is he chucking that along? Is he moving transforms to get those pipes to move? I'm like, what is he? In my mind, I'm thinking, I'm like, I am kind of thinking through that process because it does seem, it, it is probably a relatively simple project to get going, and to, to build the thing on top of. But it's also, uh, it's never where you want to start when you get started. I wonder what that's about with humans, like why we do that, like why we want to overachieve. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, why not? Right. <laughs> It's, it's interesting thoughts, but uh, one of the other things I've seen just in terms of just, uh, and tell me if you've seen this as well, is when people try to like build or develop or create this stuff, um, if you're teaching them or they're doing something, it's like they're in such a rush. There's education going this way. And they're like, oh, that's it. And then they look down to try to solve something. The teaching continues and doesn't stop. And then they look up and it's still going and now they're lost. And now they're kind of like in quicksand where they're like, oh, what happened? Where am I at? And now they're now they're stuck because they're not, when they should be paying attention, they're trying to do. And when they're doing it, they're like, it's, it, they, get, they get swapped. Can you talk to me a little bit? About, have you seen that as a thing? Uh, I have in the past in live events. So in live teaching, in-person stuff and um, live online things, I've completely stopped doing things live because it's, just too difficult to get everyone's attention 
together perfectly. If you got one person one on one, it's easy. Two people with one person, it's okay. And if you got like three or four and you're in an enclosed, like you're actually in an office in a room, I think you can do it. I think once you get past that, you get up to like five, six people in a room or any number beyond like maybe two online, you're going to run into that problem where people. They start to absorb things. They absorb things at a different rate. They get distracted by different things. Um, things that you say kind of put ideas in their mind and their mind starts to wander about like, how does this apply to something that I care about? And like I said, sometimes they just start trying to implement. That's why I, it's one of the key reasons that and scheduling, why I just go completely asynchronous with all of my actual teaching I just I post the lessons up. I let people go through the lessons at their own speed whenever they're ready, go through the quizzes when they're ready, and then I just do Q&A calls live. So like with my courses, I do weekly. Now I'm on bi-weekly Q&A calls where we actually get in live. I'll do an asynchronous part first because, again, same thing. If people have a question, they want to ask it, I want to make sure they can submit it, have it in there, and not get distracted and forget they had a question because the whole discussion was going on, and then go into the live part after that where we just kind of chat and stuff. And I found that that works best just because it's just too hard to keep people all on the same page. And it doesn't matter how intro, even the most engaged person, they're get, their mind's going to get excited by something that you taught them and make them think about how it applies to them. And then they're going to miss the next part. I don't know how many times I rewind YouTube videos and rewatch them. So yeah, I could feel the, the, uh, how many lessons you've had in that just the way you communicate that you know you're like i don't i don't do that here's here's my here's my border right here's my boundaries and here's the edges of the border right i'll dance on these edges but we're out of that no just no i'm not doing it i refuse to do it you can't make me do it no and i just can't imagine the time <laughs> that you've been trapped in a place where you have to educate and you're like this is uneducatable i can't do it in this environment never again never again so that's why I'm, just, I'm 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 feeling that energy right now you know? it never gets that dire i just try to look at the the results of of how many people are absorbing and how well they seem to yeah. be absorbing it and i'm sure you see it just like it's any scale you look at like a a user group you go to a small user group with 12 people super engaged everybody's mm -hmm. talking and engaged you get that up to 40 people suddenly you got you know half the people are paying attention half aren't you get up to like 100 and maybe the people in the front row and a couple of people randomly scattered are actually paying complete attention <laughs> yeah so then the opposite of that like so what are you into these days like what are the things that excite you either about programming or development or in this new new tech that's out there what what right now since you've been so deep in this space for so long are you are you really passionate about oh man well for me like a big part of it's just game architecture and game development building bigger systems and coming up with and teaching and learning better ways to integrate systems together i, I find it as weird as it is to be a lot of fun, just like making systems that work together well and kind of slot together well, and then optimizing those and making those better. It's weird, but it's kind of like one of the things that I really like to do. Another thing that um, as of the last few weeks I've been getting really interested in mm -hmm. is some hardware integration stuff, hardware integration with Unity, trying to get um, different types of devices that... I don't normally work with up and running with Unity. Like um, I've got this one right here sitting on my desk. This is a little frozen Bluetooth sensor thing. I saw it on Amazon on some sale and I thought this thing would be amazing as like a snow controller in Unity. Like I set it up to like control the snow in a frozen game for my little, uh, my little three-year-old. Make her a little frozen thing. She can control snow and have fun and then play some other stuff while they're doing it. And it's a really neat sensor. So it's got like diff detections on four different mm -hmm. spots for how far away your hand is and stuff. But um, I'm still trying to figure out the whole Bluetooth thing. That and lights. So I'm going to do like some crazy integrated lights and do a whole video about that and kind of integrate them in with Unity too. So like my, my new passions right now. <laughs> See, and that's the thing I don't think people really understand and value about what unity is people sometimes look at it and they're like it's just a game engine it's like yeah 
but it can do so much. I mean, you're talking about there's enterprises use cases. You can do, you can hook it up to AWS. You can have a whole backend system. You can hook it to IoT devices. You can hook it to robotics. You can, you can, you can plug it into augmented reality. It can be cross-platform. It can, it can work with a mobile app with a PC device. There's so many things that Unity can do. It's like the it is like the it's like the workhorse of like the software development outside of web dev, right? I feel like there's web dev, and then there's just Unity as as a bulk of and of all the things you can do. Because I know we were going all the way down to like, like uh, just like I, very small IoT devices. We had these little eye beacons um, for one of the things that we're doing, and it was a um, this uh, AR scavenger hunt game, and you'd have these eye beacons, and you'd put them all over the place. And then we had a map that was a backend that was a web portal that you could log into and you could place where all the eye beacons were. So basically you could create your own customized scavenger hunt and it was and it linked up with these eye beacons. So that you, cause you couldn't do the 3d, you couldn't do GPS for like, you know, Pokemon go indoors. So we, we hooked up these eye beacons and then allowed us to kind of just Easter egg, hide them all over the places and make a fun little game out of it. And it was so cool. So, um, yeah, man, those, those IOT beacons and stuff like that. I never thought about making them for, like for like my like my niece and my nephew or any kids. That's actually that's pretty damn cool that their dad can make a game for them to play as a gift. Yeah, but, I'm still working on the actual game part. So the plan for it is I've got an NBA jam cabinet that I ripped apart and I okay. threw an Intel NUC in there. And I'm building up a pony game. She's all into ponies. So still haven't figured out how to make it fun yet. As soon as I figure out how to make it fun, I'm going to finish it. But it's a pony game, four players, four ponies run around. And right now you can kind of collect stuff. And I want this thing to adjust. Oh, look, it's lighting up now. I want this thing here to adjust the snow when, when she puts it over there and like attach it onto that thing. So she can have this whole little arcade thing and have a blast with it. Because right now she likes to play my Street Fighter arcade, which is probably it's really cool but it's probably not the most appropriate for a three-year-old it's like daddy i picked zangief again she really loves zangief because it's on wreck it ralph <laughs> oh that's so funny and so she's i mean so these I mean, just typical controllers right she's just using a like a gamepad controller no ar arcade stick oh arcade stick yeah so straight straight up. arcade oh, stick cool. and a couple buttons yeah Oh, that's so cool, man. Have you made games for your kids in the past? Have you done things like that also? Like um, just a little bit. Nothing this nothing anywhere near this cool. This, this is gonna be the coolest one, I think. Wow. But yeah, I think Unity, it's great for making games and say even making arcade ones. And theoretically, I could even build it out to Linux if I wanted mm -hmm. to. I'm gonna do it on Windows because I'm late. But oh I got muted. You got muted for for half a beat. Yeah. You're you're lazy got muted like you're saying a cuss word. That's what happened. Oh yeah, I got I got lazy. Got lazy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I I'm also gonna work on um, one. Uh, oh, I guess the other thing I want to talk about there was in in the thought. Get my words out in the topic of non-game stuff with Unity. I mean, Unity is great for not just these games, but all kinds of different projects. A lot of the projects, like you've mentioned, that I've built have been just 3D visualizations. It's kind of the best way, I think, to visualize things in 3D if you're not building a game. If you're building a game, there's arguments of Unity, Unreal, or whatever engine you prefer. When you're not building a game, I think that almost everybody pretty much agrees that Unity is by far the ahead because it's they're focused on kind of everything where everybody else is only focused on one thing right now i, I guess it's kind of the idea but um uh, what i uh, just recently last week i was building another non-game application in unity which was a giveaway application so i needed to do some giveaways and like every sunday we have a game dev show where we just talk about video game development on youtube and then do giveaways on there and i wanted to have a cooler way to do a giveaway so the first time i did it i just made a, a little bit of code in writer that randomly picked somebody Okay, here's a little code. Then I thought, why not make an interactive, cool application for it that shows people like getting picked and stuff. And now it's a, um, I'll show you later, a full-blown battle arena where people can register, pop in, pick their character. They get up in the rafters. They move forward along. They come down into the battles. They fight. They can critical hit, kill each other, and then you eventually pick a winner. I've got full control over it. And it's, it's a much more interesting and fun way to pick the raffle winner. They get to watch themselves battle for supremacy. 
so is this a unity game that is on the web and so they go into the web portal like how do they access the game so can you walk me through the experience of the of the user so they they come in to to check out your your dev talk your dev talk on sundays right they yeah. come in then they what do they log into a certain url that then loads up the unity app or what what does that look like no so it's um it's it's a little bit less interactive for them and a little bit okay. more automated for me so the first version of it Okay. Um, I pasted in all the names into code. So I got all of the people who wanted to enter. I had them enter a form, pasted in their names into code. Second version, I, I made it a little bit better. Now they entered their names and forms. And then I just copied those into a field. I literally pasted in and then it automatically kicks out all the duplicates and creates my list of players. Now the third version, the one that I'll be trying out uh, this Sunday is actually allowing them to just register in YouTube chat. So I'll hit the button. The rafters will open up. Anybody that's in chat can say what character they want. If they want the knight, they want the orc, they want the, the rat, whatever guy they want, and their character will pop up and appear. And then when I hit the button to battle, they'll all the battle will begin with everybody who's popped in. Oh, that's so awesome. Are you are you parsing JSON with that? Or how are you, are you, how are you getting the, the data from the chat to, to the game? Oh, there's just a simple YouTube API for pulling okay. it. And then there's a, a little plugin to just grab that. It's really, really easy to grab the data. I got a little bit of code. Actually, I don't even think I used a plugin for it. Just grabbed that little bit of code. I copied and pasted it in. It was maybe 10 lines. And then just read through there. It gives me back the list of chat messages with the player name. It's super simple. It's like I said, C sharp code. So it's just like any other simple C sharp app. A couple lines of code gets the job done. You don't happen to have a profanity filter on that, do you? Is that I don't, but that would actually be extremely easy to add. I think that would take me yeah. about five minutes. And what I would do if I wanted to add that is Google C sharp profanity filter, yeah. paste it, find whatever library it was, and yeah. probably just use the one that was there. There's probably a library that already has it pretty well done. Yeah, we yeah, we brought one into Sweet Escape when we were building it specifically because um, it was in kids' arcades and kids' birthdays, and it's a it was a public game, and kids are kids, and they 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 love it. It's fun, and so uh, it just catches anything and then turns it into you know special characters and all that stuff. So it's okay, yeah. cool. I was just I was just that was what I was thinking. I was like, wow, straight no, especially YouTube comments, YouTube well, comments. The ben no the benefit is I was only taking their usernames here, so oh. only their username shows up. Got it, got it, got but it. I, I, as long as their use if their username is inappropriate, I mean I don't know what YouTube's going okay. to be like. They allowed the username. I I, I can't. <laughs> I don't know if I can be more authoritative, but uh, yeah, I'm not gonna actually have their their chat stuff. Their chat is just them picking which character they want for now. But yeah, I totally there when I've allowed the forms, there have been plenty where I actually do scan through and make sure that they're not um too inappropriate. Yeah. Let the semi-inappropriate ones slip by, but the two inappropriate ones I gotta kill. So that's cool. So you have the YouTube comments for your for the raffle. So people are filling in the data in the chat comments. You're grabbing the username, parsing it through Unity, and kicking it out to where then it gets populated as basically these AI bots, you know, AI being a loose term. Yeah. Um, that are then doing really simple AI. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that are doing battles in the arena, and the, and the one that survives is the one that wins the raffle. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's and cool. then they win. So they win if they win the round, they go back into the rafters for the next round. Uh -huh. So every time they win, they just keep going back in, and however many rounds we got, we got just fly through all the people. Yeah. Usually, get a couple hundred people, and they're the last one. There's only like seventy though, because yeah. I only took them live. And for this live chat one, there will probably be less. And you usually give away. A, a free one-year writer license or some hoodies or both. Um. That's cool, man. I, one, one thing that I wanted to see in VR, and I never I haven't seen this yet, but it reminds me of that, is I watched like an epic battle with BattleBots, um, and they're like duking it out. Absolute mayhem. I've always wanted to see people like with like in VR to be able to control BattleBots, but they put it on and either control, you know, virtual BattleBots that they can assemble, uh, kind of like... Uh, uh, fantastic contraptions if you remember that that vr game yeah that, they could just duke it out and just 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 have these like just battle systems that go at it in vr or the crazy scary one would be if they did that where they actually had vr headsets on and they could control real robots you know and put them in real life and you put them in the arena and you have like little holograms of like the the actual avatars faces in the battle bots right they got like a little <laughs> lcd screen and they're like, come on bro let's do it and they just duke it out like i'd love to see somebody make that um 
and uh, and a you know feels very post-apocalyptic future kind of thing. So I don't know if you if you could go it, ahead. It does. Me. I'm surprised that the virtual version of it doesn't already exist. I would expect something like that to have popped up by now. If, uh, fair game, man. If anybody wants to take it, just send me a, send me a link. Let me know. I'll, I'll I'll post it in the group and uh, and and share the love because uh, there's there's so many fun. There's so many fun game ideas, and one of the things I've, I want you to talk about a little bit is: have you have you noticed have you noticed have you noticed a thing where um, I accidentally called uh, my fiance right now with my 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 phone watch? Um, <laughs> whoops! Got a lot uh, of technology. Sorry I don't know how many that. times I talked to the G word and the A word throughout the day accidentally. No, don't you say it! <laughs> don't you say it! Um, oh, hey, A word. But um. Talk about this a little bit. Have you noticed this this pattern? And I, I want to want to address this: is whether they're in virtual virtual reality or or whatever. People have these ideas. Like I have an idea; it's the best idea ever. But then they go into like a dev hole, and they don't ever talk to anybody about it. And they find out that like this thing either already exists, or it's not that great of an idea, or whatever. They don't get feedback on it. Um, have you have you seen this? Like, what advice would you give to people that think they have the best idea ever, and so their solution? to make a billion dollars is to not tell anybody and to just go build it quietly in a corner. Like, have you, you know, you I, I don't see that too often. Most of the time I see it, um, they end up just not building it at all. If they're not talking about it and they're not sharing it and they're not kind of actively, um, engaged with people about it. What I find is that they just aren't really doing it. I'm, I'm sure there are some people who just dive into the whole and actually just build the thing on their own without actually looking at it. But most of the time, what I find is that people um, kind of get an idea, and unless it's really something that sticks with them, they'll get an idea, they'll shop it around, they'll present it, and they'll kind of loosely hold on to it, but never really try to push it or never try to make any progress on it. And a lot of the time, they'll even avoid researching it. And I think part of it is just this kind of, subconscious fear that like maybe i can't do this or maybe somebody has already done it and it's already better and they don't just look to see like hey does this thing already exist or sometimes people just like have a short-term problem that they're facing or a short-term frustration they're like it would be really great if there was a good solution for this and i should make this solution they come up with this whole giant plan and idea and they didn't even think like it wasn't a big enough problem for them to actually search for a solution. It was just big enough for them to take out their frustration and their need to like channel some creativity, but they're channeling it in the wrong way. They're, they're not channeling it towards something they care about. They're just channeling it towards something they're frustrated about for the moment. And they'll hold on to that idea like it was something they actually care about. So go, that's a very good point. And I've, I've noticed it because I've talked to people that like consulted with him on ideas. They're like, oh, I have this idea to do this um ar clothing app thing i was like oh really uh and she's like yeah it's gonna be the best thing ever okay google air clothing app here you go what else you got and she's like, ah, and then we we play this game where after like six or seven things they realize that they don't there's like it's like they've got this fantasy and they don't want their fantasy to be ruined and if they google it their fantasy's ruined and it's a it's an interesting i just i just want to talk because like, i've seen that a bit of that pattern with some people and i want to address it because you you help people get up and running building and developing and creating and so what i'm really trying to do is find the little pieces that are these roadblocks that stop people from getting that ugly baby out there sharing the idea developing it you know um you know uh putting things out there and uh, and I think a lot of people are just very like resistant to it. So I want to kind of like let them, you know, uh, allay their fears and be like, it's OK. Like they get that get that thing out there. It takes it takes a lot of time. It's while it, development's fun and all this is, is great. It takes a lot of effort. If you're going to build like an uh, MMORPG kind of thing or any of these other things, it takes time to, to build and create these types of things and a lot of resources. So. Um, I just want to kind of and, bring those and a lot of effort and a lot of energy. And when it comes to things like uh, just let's talk specifically MMOs for just a second, because I, mean, I think a lot of the time people underestimate a lot on what's going on there when it comes to an MMO, even an old, like not not good by today's standards at all style MMO, the amount of work and energy that goes into it is not a one person thing. You're not going to build and finish and actually release and have anybody playing a one man made MMO. I mean, not not a, an MMO by any traditional sense. You, you make something else and call it that. But um, 
You, it's just not. And everyone that's been built, it's not like a single person was pushing and driving it. It's always, in my experience, what I've seen, it's been a group of people. It's been a group of people who are really close-knit, already had some experience, already had some success, and had a lot of drive and energy. And uh, a lot of them also just have good connections as well. So they've got a, a lot going for it with all pretty much any MMO success story that you see out there. It's, I, I guess I, I just want to kind of like swat that one down as a as a start. It's not to say that you can't do it. It's just it, if you're trying to do that as the first thing, uh, it feels like you're just kind of trying to avoid. It's just one of the things where it's kind of like trying to avoid. It. Like, yes, you have this great idea for this thing, um, but you've got to really build the first things first. It's like any other craft, right? Like you don't go build a giant freaking palace first. You got to learn how to build a small shack, a medium shack, a house, a big house. And then, you know, and you go through that and you don't do that alone either. You start to build up a team and get people around you to learn how to do these kinds of things. And as your stuff gets bigger, you're going to need to do that. That doesn't mean that you can't build small indie stuff on your own though, because if you scope it right and you keep things reasonable and you actually just push for constant progress, you definitely can build yeah, a reasonable sized and very fun indie game. You just just don't try to build a triple A shooter or MMO, right? As long as you keep your scope there and focus on the thing that makes your game unique and fun and progress towards it, it's possible. And yeah. I, that I've seen a lot of people do. Yeah, and, that, and that's one thing I want to talk on. It's like just because you you can't have the it's it because it's 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 so easy to imagine a big vision. I'm going to build the world. I'm going to build it. It's like, but but the thing is that to execute super hard versus like the constraints have the creativity. And if you look at things like one of the things like I look at Beat Saber. Um, Beat Saber was something that was made by like I think it was like a two person dev team um, to 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 get up and going with that thing. And that's something that Beat Saber was something that at any of the hackathons that me and you have been a part of. And we've been part of a few. Um, anybody could have made that. Anybody could have made the prototype Beat Saber experience. Um, I think quite a few people did. I, I saw quite a few things well, that were very similar. Well, they did, and the uh, and a lot of a, a lot of them did it afterwards. I actually tried a really fun one that was a workout fitness game that they put trackers on your feet, and you actually you had like this whole. It was a, it was actually really cool it was at mit media labs and they put it on your feet and it was like this 80s retro full workout and it was so fun but they also had this model they had a model to follow which was i'm gonna make beat saber with feet tracking um but that's but the thing is like that whole it doesn't need to be big to be fun and at the end of the day people just want to play things that are fun they just want to play things that are like like enjoyable or hilarious or whatever you know so like yeah, I mean, when you're talking about these indie titles, how how should people think about starting an indie title? Let's, let's say, I mean, I use the areas of, of virtual reality just because that's my world. I know your game development is kind of an all-encompassing thing, but just in those those two realms, what, how would you get people to start thinking about making an indie title? Oh man, that, so that that's a good question and one that I don't know if I'm the the best person to answer because I, I just. Almost all of, in fact, none of my projects that I've released were solo projects. Everything that I've worked on, I had a team with me that, that was wait. working with. Well, I, I think wait. wait, one project was a solo project. VR baseball? Even that I had artists. Yeah, even that I had artist friends. VR baseball, you had an artist? Yeah, well, I, yeah, I had an artist make me some bats. My buddy Frank made me <laughs> some of the art for the bats. And then my buddy James, he fixed up the stadiums and stuff so that they would perform enough. So I actually brought in two artists. I brought in my designer friend to just test it and give me some feedback and ideas on how to make it better. I mean, yeah, e even that one, even the game I made and released in like a week, I still brought in a couple friends and uh, that I'd met throughout the industry to kind of help me and make it a better process and make it easier. Okay. And I, make a better product. <laughs> yeah. Now I think about it. Yeah. I just, I, I, to be honest, I really like bringing in my friends on stuff. I, I have a blast with it and I find it a lot more interesting and a lot easier to stay motivated. I love working with my friends. I love it. Anytime I can bring in friends that like, I know that are like, not only they're cool people that I like, but they're competent at what they do. A hundred percent. I love it. Uh, it it's a, that's one of the joys that I get from like doing these things is that shared experience, especially going through and trying things and, and just playing with them and giggling 
and uh, staying up late and working on things. I don't know. There's a lot of a lot of fun in those things. So I do, that's why I do miss the hackathons that uh, that we uh, we've thrown. The old uh, COVID put a bit of a pin in that for the time being. But I'll be back. We'll, we'll get some more going. Um, yeah. So it's a so, lot of fun doing that. So you're talking and, and sharing. I was just say sharing the yeah. code and like showing like when somebody on the team asks for something and then being able to give it to them and seeing them get all excited like oh it works like exactly like we just talked about it's a blast <laughs> it's just a fun time dude it's 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 super fun um and you, one thing i wasn't talking about did you hear about it's called like win vr or winning vr have you heard about that i have it's not a, can you tell me uh yeah so what it is it's a baseball game that you practice in vr and the thing comes at you and it's 20 bucks a month to use this thing. And what it is, is you practice real world pitches and you get practicing on hitting the ball in the right place at the right time. And so you, you go through, I was talking to a guy, I'm doing some work for this nonprofit, whatever. And I was talking to a guy at the place. He goes, yeah, for my daughter, I pay 20 bucks or 25 bucks a month. It's one of those two numbers. And she goes through and she does baseball and she just swings and she tries to hit it at certain spots at certain places. And she tries fastballs and curveballs and different types of balls and, and the placement of it and how you hit it and all that stuff. And she's, and they've seen market improvement from her using this baseball app, um, uh, this VR baseball app. And I think it's, I think it's called win vr i think that's the name of it but i'm not a hundred percent sure um wow. uh, but yeah i know uh that sounds yeah. really cool and it sounds yeah. like a really good um business opportunity too doing if the, i wonder how big of a, a market that is for those things because i guess if it's you want to become the best at it and i i just imagine like all of the other sports things that people pay for i, I bet that that's somewhat popular it's it's winreality.com winreality.com and then forward slash baseball they probably have basketball or they have softball baseball and softball um but again it's taking that idea like you had when when did you release when did you release uh vr baseball oh it was on the release day of the vive oh yeah it was one of the release titles for the vive i actually built it two weeks before that and I was, yeah, and my wife liked it. I was going to make a tutorial. My wife liked it. And I was like, oh, you know what? This is weird. My wife's playing something I've made, which hasn't happened again since. That was the one time, the one time hit. Um, and I was like, I'm trying making this into a game. I was like, they're looking for launch titles right now. I could probably make this fun. And I just made it into a home run derby game with lots of particles and fun. And it was super popular. So yeah, it was right there at the launch. And I, I had a blast with that one. Yeah, I remember that. It was it was it was one of my favorite ones to play with it because it was it was it was simple to understand. It was intuitive. You understood it. You take a look at it. It's just it's it just it's it's again bringing it back a simple execution on something. It wasn't a, it wasn't an MRPG. It wasn't a big giant game. It wasn't you know uh, you know any of those other things. It was home run derby, a thing that people people love to hit things hard, and so. I think that's a great testament to... They love to, to get a little bit better. It was one of those things where without much design work at all, it required people to actually build up skill and get better at it. When you started, you were bad at it. And as you played, you could easily kind of progress and get better, just like you can with baseball, but I think quite a bit easier than with, with real baseball. So people would get in there, they'd do terrible, they'd do a little bit better, they'd do a little bit better. They'd start competing with themselves. And then, I mean, I occasionally I take it to places, friends' houses, and there'd be people that would just stay in there like the entire time. And I'd be like, I gotta go. Like, hey, I'm hey, gonna hey. pack the stuff up, guys. Uh, they're like, no, I gotta get better. He beat me by one. <laughs> like, okay. That's where, you, that's where you need to have some sort of like, you know, it'd be an amazing app if there was like an amazing app, if there was like a kill app that you could like hit a button on like a remote button and all of a sudden it would just like shut down the headset. Or or something would happen. Oh, I'm so sorry, the game broke. Oh, I'm gonna bet that that that's another one of those that already exists, Dylan. <laughs> if, 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 if it does, let me know. If anybody knows, <laughs> if anybody actually knows of a VR application that allows me to push a button so at parties it just shuts down my headset and I go, oh, out of batteries. Mm, I won't tell you. <laughs> yeah, I'm do so. Sorry to hear that. Um, but it's 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 great. Um, <laughs> Have you, I mean, have you been keeping up with any of this, 
um, like any of the stuff, like the the new metaverse stuff or any of the latest VR games out there? Have you seen any of these things coming out? Um, I know you're doing it a while ago and you got out of it for a bit, but have you been keeping up with any of it at all? Not a whole lot. I've got my quest too, and I occasionally pop it out, but I haven't had a whole lot of time to do um, just a lot of new game playing, even let alone really development stuff. The metaverse stuff seems kind of cool. I'm still really unsure where it's all going to actually end up. I still, as much as I like VR stuff, like I don't pop the headset on my face very often. I can't imagine normal people doing it very often. And kind of it growing but i mean i think if as soon as my guess is that whenever apple releases some stupid glasses everybody will decide that being in vr is cool and uh everybody will be walking or then i'm gonna have to deal with people driving down the street in vr right <laughs> like with, with the VR headsets dangerous. on or something <laughs> that, that's my guess give it five years after apple releases theirs and it's gonna get super widespread or something do you have, I mean, you, like, do your kids use it all the time? Are they, are they in the quest too? Do they borrow it from you at all or? Not often. They used to back in the day that they were really excited about it for a while. But I mean, they've all, what I found is that with teenagers, they tend to get into like a game or two and they get stuck on that. And it's what it, it's a game with their friends. And just occasionally they have, they have a VR one that they want to play, but most of the time it's something else, something super competitive instead. Mm, yeah yeah i was i was uh um i was talking to um my friend about like uh because he um built vr chat um and they're, they're talking about how they're getting any given weekend they're getting up to like fifty thousand concurrent users inside vr chat at any given time i was like gonna a, say that's the one the one game that the teenagers usually want to play <laughs> every oh, time really? they've asked about it like, it's been um vr chat was the main thing that they were playing and they're playing together interesting what are they doing because i know there's big dj shows in there uh he was talking about there's like big big events that are going on anytime and and uh and how like there's like certain rooms in there are so popular that they beat out the popular titles on steam like a, just one popular room on VR chat beats out the popular titles on all of Steam, which I think is crazy. I don't know. Do you know what they were doing in there? I, I'm not sure what it was they they were playing last time. I'll have to ask them though and get back to you. I'm kind of curious now. I knew so with VR chat. I remember the first time I saw it at an event you were hosting. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. I wonder what it's going to be like. And I saw some of the rooms. It was really cool. And I played with it um, maybe a couple times since then, maybe a year or two afterwards. Mm. But it, um what I've seen online, I, I haven't actually gotten in really and played myself is it, it seems like it's just gone completely insane, kind of like Roblox and just totally blown up. But with that extra benefit of like, it's a way for anybody to make VR content without really knowing how to do any, like you don't really need to code. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a, there is, there, there can be some coding done. And um, yeah, I remember that. Like, yeah. I, I think that was at um, people's space. I think it was where it was at. And Jesse came in, he gave us, I don't forget, like 200 bucks for some pizzas or something like that. And then we had a hackathon and we're using some of the VR chat tech and you use this SDK, which is basically, you could use like a unity build. You could build it inside there and you could basically build a room in unity. And then you plug in this SDK and it basically bolts onto a system. Right. And it was just like, he was just kind of like randomly going around kind of doing it. And it's crazy to see him go from that where there, it was nothing, there's nothing in there to building it up where now he's got, you know, 50,000 players in there and just, it just, it's a whole thing. There's, there's people that sleep inside VR chat. Do you know that? There's, That's crazy. They sleep. I'm not surprised. They, they put the VR headset on, they put the headset on and what they do, the use case is like, for example, like, let's just say, um, you, you, your, uh, uh, let's say your wife, uh, she was in, uh, Europe for a couple of weeks or whatever, like you could both see each other and you guys would both have pillows and then you cuddle the pillow where she's at and she cuddles the pillow where you're at. And then you're basically sleeping next to each other. And then when you wake up you can go, Hey, how are you doing? What's going on? Uh, but I guess you gotta be careful because sometimes when the cord gets around your throat, you gotta be careful in the middle of the night um make it a lot easier for me to sneak up out of bed when she's uh without waking her up too that, that, Did that, that this morning and she told me never again but if we we're in vr chat it'd be easy you could change it to like a horse's head you know what i'm saying <laughs> she's waking up ah! <laughs> yes got it oh man 
but yeah, but no, that, that is that is really cool. I'm not too surprised though. I think the way that that thing has gone is amazing, and I think it's just another really good example of just perseverance and persistence. It started small and just kept pushing. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's just it just built it from them. But that's the thing is like everyone, like you you see the end result. Like you look at it, oh VR chat, oh it's this, oh I guess that, wow that that there's like a term I hear someone's like must be nice, like must be nice. It goes, yeah, but did you did you go around the world? Did you go around to all these different places and showing up and paying for pizzas and sitting there on weekends and just doing stuff like that? Like it takes a grind to build up something like that, and I don't think people have a lot of appreciation for the fact that um, you can be able to actually do that, and you also don't have appreciation for like. It doesn't need to be that to have fun. He told me this one story I think you'll appreciate. And and uh, it was, um, he was a game developer for like a big studio, big place. And they made the game called Wipeout, um, like the old show, right? And he made the Wipeout game, but it was over, but it was, it was uh, over ambitious. They didn't have enough budget, right? And so they try to shove in as much, they try to get as much done as they could, right? But it was janky as all hell. It was, it was janky as all hell. And he was demoing it to his friend and it was like physics were off. Things were bouncing off the wall. Things were exploding that weren't supposed to all this stuff. But him and his friend were laughing the whole time. And his buddy turned to him and said this, he said this and he's like, he, he'll never forget this night. It sticks with me. He goes, he goes, I had a great time playing that shitty game with you. <laughs> but it, so many people uh, want to build the perfect game. So many people want to build the perfect VR experience. So many people, yeah. it needs to be perfect to look at my thing, right? But as long as people, if if you're playing in like a half broken house and things are all wonky, but you're having a fun time with your friends, that's all that matters, man. That's all <laughs> that matters. And so like, you're like, you know, you feeling me on that? Like, it's so, I, just, I wanted to share that because I just, I don't know, as, as, you know, being on the inside of things, I think it's, I think it's really nice when you can just, you can enjoy and not need it to be perfect. So, yeah, I think that's great. I hope people have had a great time playing some of my terrible games too. <laughs> <laughs> Man, do you have, do you have like, um, what were some of the other, just cause like, just on the, on the VR topics, what were some of the other VR titles that you made um, that were, they, they could have been great. They could have been terrible along the, along the journey um, of, of doing some of this development stuff. Well, one of them, the one that um, I felt, I guess, at the time had the most, um, I guess, possibilities of being super fun and cool was uh, Mighty Monster Mayhem. It was a monster rampage style game, but it too was probably a little over ambitious for the timeline because I think we spent like 10 weeks building it and it was a four player multiplayer rampage city destruction where we a bunch of different cities you climb around destroy the buildings get scores pick up power-ups um eat people throw people battle with the army the army would come in and blast you essentially trying to be a 3d vr rampage with a bunch of different monsters and stuff um that that one was a lot of fun for me to play and had a lot of really cool, interesting problems to solve too, which is kind of the thing that I enjoy the most, like solving the weird problems, even more than playing the games, which is kind of strange. We were playing that. You could climb like the climbing mechanic, right? And didn't yeah. have a thing where like a helicopter shot missiles or something and you blocked with your hand. I yeah. You, I could just, you could grab pieces of the building and just throw it at the helicopter and knock yeah. it out. Or you could just grab a helicopter and throw it at another helicopter. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Uh. Dude, that sounds like a, like like there's something about your child self, your childlike self coming out and like childlike self. Sometimes you want to be a giant rampaging monster where you just just wreak havoc and destruction as you go through and just knock a place to pieces. That like I remember that was that was fun, man. That was a good time. It it wasn't a terrible game. It was so you think was it oh was it all oh, was it was there a jank inside of it? I don't I don't remember the jank. Oh, it just wasn't um it wasn't a fully fleshed out game, I would say. Oh. It, it needed it needed more to stay interesting and engaging beyond the first five minutes. <laughs> like, it was it was it was a very neat concept that just needed a, a bit more work. And there were I think a lot of those with uh VR stuff. It's really hard to figure out what's gonna be good and what's gonna be fun. So do a lot of kind of testing and stuff. You see a lot of small projects up there. And then a couple of the really cool concepts come into really great and big games, I think, in the end. 
Yeah, there's the thing about also running out of time, like because there's always like if given the opportunity, you'll endlessly develop and build and create and like all that stuff. And like I, I like having the constraints, you know. Um, I like having the time constraints to try to get something out and done because it kind of forces that. Otherwise, there can't, seems to be like a thing where it's like you kind of ex you make it more complex and then you got to do more stuff and then you make it more complex and you got to do more stuff and it kind of becomes a spiral of just like just shoving, just shoving stuff inside that doesn't necessarily need to be there. What are your, what are your thoughts around uh, constraints? And are you, do you, you talked about architecting games and things like that. Do you like to pre-architect the games? Like, how do you, how do you balance that uh, against the the thing where it's like wanting to endlessly build or wanting to like, just like get lost in the devil? How do you, how do you balance that out? It's a great question. It's something that I, I'd say I used to struggle with it a lot. I would do the same thing where I would start to build something and then over-architect and over-engineer the solution to every single problem. So if I needed some way to solve, like I needed an inventory system, I wasn't just going to build an inventory system that handled my problems and build an inventory system that could do anything. So that way, if I changed my mind later, I could I could uh, address that, right? I'd be ready to go. And it, it's one of those things where like it's, a large part of it comes from not really knowing exactly what I'm going to do next. So like knowing, Hey, I need an inventory system, but I don't know what the exact next step is. So let me just focus way too much energy on this inventory system. Let me just make this the best inventory system I can. And then I'll do the hard part of figuring out what's next instead of just focusing on getting the key part that I need done, done and then moving on to, you know, do I need to improve it or going on to the next step? So a mm. lot of it comes down to just understanding kind of what it is you want to build, getting a set of all of the high level things that you want to build. What I like to do is just build up a, a map of the high level stuff that I want, like the core key parts of the game, what some of the just small notes, little bullet points about the important parts for that system that I need to think about and remember. So if I look at this in a month, I'll remember, oh yeah, I had that one really cool idea that I want to make sure I add in there. And I also when I'm coding it, I can look and say, oh yeah, I, got, I need to take these things into account. But I try not to go too deep beyond that, at least when it comes to the, the coding and building side. For design and game design stuff, um, you know, let a game designer <laughs> figure that out and tell you the best plan. But I don't like to completely architect and plan it out because I'm at that point, I'm literally just making guesses and I'm just trying to make my best guess with zero information or very little information. And it, I find it a lot better to make the guess as I get closer and as I actually need to implement it and have a better idea of what the design's looking like, what the final architecture is looking like, what all the pieces are looking like and, and how I want to put it together. Got it. Yeah. So you kind of, you bucket, you got, you, you like, if you're making like an outline of a book, you kind of do the big outline pieces, like the chapters. And then inside there, what you're maybe looking at is maybe some of the, 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 the core, core loops or core mechanics, you know, like right. in this section, I'm going to be able to climb buildings and throw rocks or do something like that. And you just kind of get the, the general gist of the idea, the important, the, the core pieces of that. And then you kind of fill in the pieces as you kind of build along and then use whether it's uh, feedback from actually playing the game or testing it or whatever to know how to actually fill in the edges. Is that, is that and right? And from writing the code too. So some of the yeah. feedback just comes from the code that I've written along the way. And I find like, one of the things I try to just really avoid doing is guessing what that code's going to be. So I'm not trying to figure mm -hmm. out like what the classes are going to be before I've written the code or how they interact. What I used to do, what I used to do back when I first learned how to write diagrams and stuff was diagram out the whole thing. Like, hey, here are all the classes. Here's the hierarchy. Here's how it maps to the database. Now I'll go write the code and try to make it fit in that box. And then I'm going to figure out how to make it actually work. And that ends up being, yeah, it, it ends up just not working because you're just, again, programming to something that is a guess. And a lot of time that guess is just wrong. It's so not I always like to just make progress and then reevaluate re, um, re it and then kind of rewrite things and just constantly improve my code along the way. So the second I need to add in some extra functionality, I'll do it in, in a nice, clean way.
That's beautiful. Yeah, and that makes no sense. It's good to have an outline, but it, otherwise you create too many constraints. It's, you need to have some containers, but you need to have some wiggle room to kind of move around the place. Otherwise, it doesn't it doesn't work. You need to have that. You can't predict everything. You need like a like a low fidelity map. You don't need a high fidelity resolution. You know, Google Maps of saying this is exactly what you need because then you you don't really know. Um, right. Instead, I, I just try to stick to simple rules like don't let my code get too big in a file. Don't let the classes um, start to do more than one thing or get too complicated and it just start to follow really simple rules. And then I don't have to worry so much about an overall design. The design is going to kind of form out of those rules. Beautiful, beautiful words of wisdom. Uh, Jason, this has been awesome. Um, is there anything else you'd like to let people know about before you tell them how to find you and find you like on YouTube? Um. Just that game development's a lot easier than you think it is. Same with VR development. I mean, VR development is game development, but even easier because you get all of the awesome, cool stuff automatically. It's like you're in a world automatically, which is a whole lot cooler than you're seeing a world on a 2D screen. So it's a lot of fun. It's very simple to get into. And I think that everybody, if, you, if you've been interested in it, should definitely give it a try. And for things to do, just come by, check out uh, the channel, check out the game dev show on Sundays. We just talk about game development, answer questions. Um, this week, I think we're going to be taking game dev or game pitches from just subscribers and viewers who have a pitch. They want to share it and they want to just get a little bit of feedback. We're going to be just giving some live feedback and talking about that. You can see some people's pitches or uh, share your own. So. If you're interested in that stuff, come by, check it out, or go to game.courses and you can check out my courses. Awesome, dude. That sounds like fun, man. Well, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you being on. Check out Jason Wyman on YouTube. He's got awesome materials, awesome courses, and I've been on his thing on Sundays. It is super fun and really educational. He's got some very smart, cool people on that. So if you can, check it out on Sundays. Jason, have a blessed and beautiful day, my friend, and I will see you on the other side. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.